You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. First Corinthians 13 is uh, referred to often as the love chapter. Uh, about a month ago when we had the uh, funeral service for Miss Juanita Love, uh, her daughter Pam asked me if uh, we could use that, and we did. Miss uh, Juanita, of course, her last name was Love, but uh, her life was characterized by loving people and loving God. This past week, as uh, Miss Justice went home to be with the Lord, um, as I was with uh, Miss Joanne and um, uh, on FaceTime with uh, her, her daughter, Summer, her son, Ryan, of course, Miss Dorella's grandchildren, uh, Summer had, had said, I really would like to implement 1 Corinthians 13, and she did in her video, because she said, I, just, I feel like it summarizes so much the life of Dorella Justice, and indeed, what a faithful lady, you know, a lady that loved God and loved people, and it was so, so evident uh, in her life. But as we approach this day, I love my church Sunday, and I understand it's also Valentine's Day, and so there's a lot of talk about love. Uh, you'll see it on cards, I love you, or you'll see it on balloons, or uh, you'll, uh, you'll see it on uh, little candies or little chocolates, and there's a lot of talk about love, and I think uh, it's a wonderful thing, I think it's a wonderful focus. This evening, we'll share some reasons for why we love our church. Also this evening, we're going to start a, a few-week series on some helps for the home. And tonight we'll be talking a little bit about marriage and some things we can do in our marriages to, to help and strengthen our marriages. But this morning, I'd like for all of us to examine ourselves, and I'd like for us all to give ourselves a test this morning. And I want to ask you, do you have love? Now, we're going to talk about what love is, but I can't answer that question for you. And you can't answer the question for me, but can I tell you, we all must have love. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that you can have a whole lot of other things and you can accomplish a whole lot of other things, but if you do not have love, and if I do not have love, the Bible says it like this, we are nothing. You know what that means? Nothing else matters. Nothing else is really important if we do not first have love. The word love here in 1 Corinthians 13, it's the word charity, which literally means it's the agape love. It's a selfless, sacrificial love. It is giving of oneself for another. We get that love uh, really summed up for us when we look at Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus loved us and he gave himself for us. That's love. Jesus didn't just say it, he demonstrated his love for us on the cross. God showed us his love when he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross so that we could be saved. That, my friend, is love. We're not talking about a feeling. We're not talking about an emotion. Can I tell you, this world has no idea what love is all about. This world, Hollywood, tries to say that love is something you fall into. You can't even help it. You have no control over it. It just comes over you. And by the way, we'll talk about this maybe a little bit tonight. 
But that's why the world's definition of love is so flawed and it is so wrong because the world says you're married to somebody, but that may not be your true love. It might be an old flame from high school or an old, old friend or a, an old boyfriend or an old girlfriend or whatever. And oh, I just, that's my soulmate. That's the one I'm supposed to be with. No, absolutely not. The one you're supposed to be with is the one that you committed to at that wedding altar and you said, till death do us part. And love is a lot more than a feeling. I was not planning to get this worked up this morning. Friend, I want to tell you, I was planning to be nice and sweet and calm, but we just, we're going to have to throw that out the window because we're not getting off to a good start. But love is not a feeling. Can you, can, can you write that down or remember that? Can you, can you make sure you absorb that? Love is not a feeling. Now, you might have a feeling and you might have an emotion, and I hope you do, and I think you should, but that's not what love is all about. Love, if you'll jot this down, love is a decision. It's a choice. When you say, I love you, you are making a decision. Love is not only a decision, but love is a commitment. Love is not for me to tell my wife, Joanna, I love you, but I may not love you tomorrow. No, 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 no. Love is a decision. It is followed up with a commitment. When I told Joanna, when I said, I love you, and I promise to love you and cherish you and to keep you and to cleave only unto you till death do us part, that was a commitment. Love is a commitment. But then I'll say this, love is also an action. Love ought to be demonstrated on a daily basis in our lives. I'm not just talking about in a marriage. I'm talking about in your relationship with God. Did you know you ought to say, God, I love you, and you ought to make that decision, but then you ought to have a commitment, and there ought to be some action. There ought to be some follow-through. There ought to be some evidences in our life that this world can look at you and say, that person, they don't just say they love God. They truly, genuinely love God. We must make a decision. We must make a commitment. And then we must have action in loving God like what we should, in loving a spouse and in loving others. Jesus said in Matthew 22, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. I want to ask you this morning, do you love God? We didn't bring you here just for you to love your church. We brought you here today because we want to make sure that your love for God is what it needs to be and what it ought to be. And we have been commanded to love God with all we have. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22, the Bible says that we are to love with a pure heart fervently. Love comes from the heart. Love has got to be sincere. Love has got to be genuine. And then true love is not casual. True love is not out of convenience, but true love is a fervent love. That's a passionate love. Boy, I tell you, I hope you love God like that. I hope I love God like that. I hope that we could say, yes, that is the way that I love God. I love him with everything I've got. I love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. 1 Corinthians 13, 
It tells us how important love is. It tells us in this chapter that love is greater than faith. Now think about this. Faith is pretty important. If you don't have your faith, can I tell you, you're in trouble. If you don't have that foundation, you are in trouble. But let me back it up a step. If God did not first love you and me, we wouldn't have a faith. We wouldn't have uh, anything to base our life on. It all goes back to love. Love is greater than faith. Verse 13, love is greater than hope. Now, I'll tell you this, you got to have hope. You've got to have a, a hope and an expectation, and you've got to have a confidence, and you can't live your life in depression. You can't live your life. Everything's, oh, it's all terrible, and nothing's going to work out. Friend, if your whole life goes down the drain, if you know Jesus, you've got hope. Because your hope and my hope is not down here. Titus 2 says we are looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. But love is even greater than our hope. John 3, 16, God so loved the world. Galatians 2, 20, Christ loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 5, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I hope you love your church. But can I tell you why you ought to love the church? You ought to love the church because Jesus loved the church. You ought to love the church because that was something that was important to Jesus. So much so that that is the only institution that Jesus started when he was on this earth. He started a church. So here's my questions for you. I'm going to give you a test. And I, I was planning to give the test today, but I didn't get very far in the drive-in. So I'll tell you this. Today is not going to be the final test. The final test will be next Sunday. So you've got a week to study and you've got a week to work on it and you've got a week to ask yourself these questions and to examine your own life. But I want to ask you this morning as we talk about 1 Corinthians 13 and having love, number one, do you have a love for God? I can't answer that for you. And by the way, I don't know. Because 1 Corinthians 13, it tells us a list of great things that you could do, but if you don't have love, then those things don't even matter. Let, let's look at it, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Now that's pretty impressive. I've heard some great speakers. I've heard some people, I told you earlier about Wally Davis. Uh, uh, he would preach, and I'm telling you, you would be on the edge of your seat, and it was much more than just a great speaker. He had the touch of God and the power of God. But I've heard some great preachers. I've heard some people who they could convince you of anything. I've heard some great salesmen. I've heard some great uh, uh, eloquent orators in my life. But the Bible says you could speak with the best of men. You could sound like an angel in your speaking. But if you don't have love, you know what you are? Tinkling, cymbal, and sounding brass. It's just a bunch of noise. Can I tell you, love is so important. Do you love God? I didn't ask, do you say you love God? I hope you say it. But I'm asking, do you truly love God? How about this? Do you love your spouse? The Bible says in Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives. That's a command of God. So my question is not, do you say it? My question is not, did you give a card? My question is not, did you give flowers? Although cards and flowers and, and candy and all those things are wonderful things. That'd be a good place for the men to say, 
amen right there. Those are great things. But can I tell you this? What your spouse wants and what your spouse needs more than that is they need your heart. They need your love. They need to know that you have a true love for them. How about your children? Do your children know? And do you have a true love for your children and for your family? We make it a habit in our home. We try to say, I love you uh, whenever we're coming and going and all those things. And Lacey and Savannah, uh, well, all the children every night, but Lacey and Savannah, they, they get to stay up later than the rest of the crowd. And uh, so they'll come by and I'll give them a kiss and a hug and tell them I love them. Can I tell you, it's good to say it. You ought to say it. As a matter of fact, if you don't say it, that's probably not a good indication. But just saying it is not enough. It's got to be real. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be from the heart. Do you love your church? Now, I hope you love your church. Many of you gave us reasons this week. You, you wrote a note or you sent an email. And, and for those of you that did not, we, we know you still love your church. That's okay. You didn't have to. It's probably good that everybody didn't. We wouldn't have had time for all of them. But I hope you love your church. But loving your church is more than saying it. Loving your church is something that is real, that comes from the heart. Do you have love? Notice verse number two. It says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity and have not love, Paul said, I am nothing. You see, love is something that you either have or you don't. Love is something that you either possess or you don't. And if you say today, Pastor, I'm afraid I don't have love. I'm afraid I don't have the kind of love that God wants me to have. Then that would be a great thing today to say, God, would you help me to have a love for you and a love for your people like you want me to have? You see, it's possible to say all the right things and still not have love, verse number one. Verse number two it's possible to be very gifted. It's possible to be very talented. It's possible to be very intellectual and still not have love. Do you see where we're going with this? What we're saying is all the accomplishments and all the, all the abilities and all the talents that you and I have, those are not the end. That is not the goal. The goal, according to God's word, the goal is to have love. You could, it says in verse number two, you could have all faith so that you could remove mountains. But if you don't have love, Paul says we're nothing. Verse number three, you could give all your goods to feed the poor. Could you imagine if someone came in today and uh, they, 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 they brought an offering or whatever and they brought the offering and we looked at that amount and we said, where did you get that much money? He said, I sold everything I have. He said, I actually walked here to church because I sold my car. I sold my house. I sold all my possessions. I sold all my tools. Uh, I, I even sold all my hunting equipment. Oh, my. I even sold all my fishing gear. I sold it all. And the lady, the, 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 the wife follows in and says, and, and I sold all my shoes. And so we know that was a big, a big check right there, right? But you came in and you said, I sold everything. We would look at you and we would say, certainly that person has love. But the Bible says it even be possible for you to do all that and still not have true, genuine charity or love in your heart. 
Now, I can't imagine that. The list goes on. It says that it would be possible for you, verse number three, to give your body to be burned. You could even be a martyr and you could give your life for a cause and still not have love. Now, I don't think this is very likely. And I think you understand that Paul is saying that although these things may not be likely, it could be possible for you to do all of these things. But if you and I do not have love, then we have failed the test. You see, I think the importance and I think the reason for all of this is because we see and we hear and we acknowledge all of the accomplishments and the abilities. Uh, we can hear a speech. We can see a monetary gift. We can see someone actually giving their life as a martyr. But you know, God's not looking at the outside, is he? God's looking at the heart. And if you and I truly love God like we should, then that is what matters to God and that is what is pleasing to God. And if we truly love God, can I tell you, everything else will fall into place. You don't have to be the best speaker and you don't have to have all the wisdom and you don't have to have all the faith and you don't have to give everything and you don't have to be a martyr. If you and I will love God, all the rest will take care of itself. You see, here's the test. I'm going to give it to you quickly. Number one, you say, I don't know if I have love or not. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says love is. One, it's found in verse four. Charity suffereth long. That means to be patient in bearing the offenses and injuries of others. It means to persevere patiently and bravely in enduring misfortunes and troubles. You say, I, I have love. Okay, well then how about this? Are you long-suffering? You know, most of us, we're not even short-suffering. I mean, most of us, we're not, we're not doing any kind of suffering. And, and long-suffering, okay, let me, I don't have time to say this, but I have to say this. Long-suffering is not this. Where's my phone here? Long-suffering is not this. Um, yes, um, hey, hey, uh, Brother Dan, how you doing? Yeah, I just, I needed to tell you, you would not believe, you would not believe what Nathan Johnson did to me today. Oh, 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 oh and Caleb, oh yeah, did he do that to you too? And Caleb, oh, yeah, look, don't even get me started on Caleb. I mean, I mean, it, you just, you would not even believe what those, oh, let me tell you. And then, and then I, and then I say, and let me tell you, I'm going to keep going. I think I'm going to make it, though. I'm not going to let them get me down. That is not long-suffering. That's complaining. That's actually the opposite of long-suffering. And long-suffering is not, all right, Facebook, boy, do I have a post for today. Facebook says, what's on your mind? Well, let me tell you what is on my mind. And there is no limit to how much I can type and how much I can text, and I'm going to tell the world about all my problems. And then when I get to the end, but I'm still going to be a good Christian, and I'm still going to love God. Not quite. That's not the way it works. You see, if we truly love God, we are going to be long-suffering with those around us. You say, well, why should we be long-suffering? 
because God was long-suffering to you. God was patient with you. And if God can be patient with you and me, you and I can be patient with those who treat us wrong and those who offend us and those who injure us and those who give us trouble. Love, number one, suffers long. It is long-suffering. Number two, love is kind. Kind, it means to be considerate of feelings and emotions and needs. Many times we're not worried about anybody else but ourselves. But love is kind to others. Number three, love envieth not. That word means to boil over with jealousy. Can I tell you, love does not boil over with jealousy. Love is not, I can't believe that they've got that job and I can't believe they got that position and I can't believe they got that promotion. That is not love. Can I tell you, love is praise God for them. We're not jealous about it. We're happy for them. Love rejoices. We'll get to that in a minute. Love rejoices when good things happen to somebody else. Number four, love vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. To vaunt, it means to brag or to boast. To be puffed up means to be arrogant. Can I tell you, true love is not trying to boast and not trying to brag and not trying to tell everybody how great we are. That is not love. True love in a marriage is not uh, with your spouse. You try to put your spouse down and you try to put yourself up and you're the one that's super spiritual and your spouse is the one that's the problem. Can I tell you, that is not true love. Love does not brag. Love does not boast. Love is not arrogant. Number five, so much for our teachy time today. Number five, love does not behave itself unseemly. Now, again, I'm not asking you these questions yet. I'm just giving you the information. Next Sunday, we're going to bring it all together, and we're going to let you take a test, 14 questions, on whether or not you have love like the Bible defines it. Here's the next one. Love does not behave itself unseemly. The word unseemly means rudely. Can I tell you, Christians, people that love God should not be rude. You know... I can understand unsaved people being rude. You know why? Because they're just like their father, the devil. That, that's, that's, that's what the devil would want. But Christians ought not be rude. You know why? Because we got a different father. We've got a heavenly father. We've got a holy God in heaven who is our father who, aren't you glad he's not rude to you? Aren't you glad he's kind and gracious and loving and caring towards you? And may God help us to have love. Love is not rude. Number six. Love seeketh not her own. That simply means love is not selfish. Now I'll tell you this, that may be one of the greatest problems in marriages right there is we are selfish. And marriages do not thrive with selfish people. As a matter of fact, that's where marriages struggle and that's why marriages are torn apart so many times because we want what we want and if we have time or if there's anything left over, then maybe we'll do something for our spouse. But I got to take care of me. Got to take care of number one. It's all about me, friend. It's not all about you. And I tell you, it's all about your spouse. Say, I know it's 50-50. No, it's not even 50-50. It's 100-0. You give 100% and you expect zero in return. You say, well, that's actually where I'm at. Well, then you missed it. 
Because love is not seeing what you can get out of something. Love is seeing what you can give and what you can do for someone else. Remember, it's a selfless giving of yourself to others. Love seeketh not her own. Number seven, love is not easily provoked. That word, easily provoked, that phrase, it means not easily irritated or aroused to anger. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they're telling you a story about what somebody did to them and they are, they are all worked up? Or maybe you've read a post on Facebook and they are so worked up. I mean, they're mad. I mean, they're ready to strangle somebody. I mean, they're that mad. And you listen to their story and when they get all done, you, you kind of want to say, okay, and what was the bad part? I mean, what was, the, what was the bad thing that was done to you? And it's like, oh, oh, let me tell you. They, they did not speak to me at church. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, I'm not sure I spoke to you at church. As a matter of fact, now that we mention it, I'm sure there were a lot of people I didn't speak to at church, but it wasn't intentional. And there were probably a lot of people who didn't speak to me at church, but it wasn't intentional. But you know what love is? Love doesn't get easily irritated. Love doesn't get all bent out of shape over silly, trivial things. Love is not easily provoked. Number eight, love thinketh no evil. That idea is to keep no account of evil. Not quick to jump to conclusions, but to give the benefit of the doubt. Now, here, here's what love is. Love is not keeping a list. You say, well, pastor, I don't have a list. I, I do not record all the stuff that people do to me. Yeah, you maybe don't record it on paper, but you've got it recorded up here. And you are keeping track and you are keeping a running total. And oh my, if they do that one more time, I'm going to let them have it. That's not love. Love is not keeping track and keeping a list. And love is not looking at all the things that somebody else has done to you. But love is giving people the benefit of the doubt. I don't know about you, but I'm convicted. Isn't that amazing? The Bible just does that, doesn't it? See, you came in here thinking, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send a text message to somebody and say, hey, I love you and I'm good. Oh, no, no, that's not love. That's the, an expression of love, but love is suffering long and kind and envying not and vaunting not and on and on it goes. Love, number nine, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Love does not rejoice when someone stumbles or someone falls, or someone gets in trouble, but love rejoices when something is done that is right, and somebody is recognized, or somebody is praised for doing right, not for being punished for doing wrong. Number 10, love beareth all things. That word means to cover or protect, literally to conceal the errors or the faults of another. You know what I'm talking about here, because you've got somebody at work like this. You got somebody that if you mess up, they come in and they pick up the slack and they don't give you a hard time about it. On the flip side, maybe you have somebody at work who you mess up, you do something little and they are very quick to point out what you did wrong. 
I'm not talking here about covering sin. I'm not talk, talking about covering something that is illegal. But I'm talking about this. Did you know we would do well to not point out all the faults in others, but pr try to help people and look for ways that we can be a blessing to them and help them along the way instead of kicking them when they're down? Love believeth all things. Love believes the best about people. Love hopeth all things. There's hope and there's confidence and there's joy. That's what love does. Love has hope and love endures all things. That means you don't quit. When you love somebody, you don't quit. When you love God, you don't quit when things get hard. When you love your spouse, you don't quit when things get hard. When you love your church, you don't quit when things get hard. You buckle down and you stay committed to the decision and the commitment and you keep doing the actions that prove our love. Love never faileth. You see, true love, when you fall down, you get back up. You don't stay down. I want you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to close. I, I've got a whole lot more I'd like to say about this passage, but we'll say it another time. I want you to look at 1 John 4. So you say, okay, pastor, you've told me 14 things about love, but I'm not there. I'm not doing these things. Maybe some of you are saying, Pastor, if, if I got a grade on this right here, I think it'd be a zero. <laughs> or I think, it'd be a, I think it'd be a 30% or maybe a 50%, but I'm not doing well on these things. Maybe you're doing great, and that's wonderful. But I'll tell you this, I think we all, I think we all need to work on having a love like God wants us to have. If we're honest, I think we all do. 1 John chapter 4, you say, Pastor, what do I do? How do I improve? How do I, how do I work on having a love that is right? Verse number 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of who? It's of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. You know how to get better and improve your love? You know how to have more love in your heart and more love for one another? To get time with God because God is love. And the Bible says if you don't have love, you don't even know God. You see, friend, here's the answer. It's, it's so simple, but here's the answer. God wrote a book and he gave us his word. And you know why he gave us his word? So we would know how to live. And if we're going to have love, like 1 Corinthians 13 talks about, we're going to have to get in this book right here, and we're going to have to get to know God. That's how you know God, by reading His Word. Can I tell you how else you can get to know God? By talking to Him. By praying. Maybe this week you need to go to God and just say, God, I'm coming before you. I'm not asking you for the bills. I'm not asking you for the health. I'm not asking you for these other things right now. But God, first and foremost, I'm asking you to help me to love you like I should. And I'm asking you to help me to love my spouse and love my kids and love my neighbors and love my church family and love my coworkers like you want me to love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, the Bible says, We love him because he first loved us. Chapter 5, verse number 2, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. 
For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. Honestly, with all that God has done for us, you think it's really hard just to do what God's told us to do? I don't think so. Not when you look at His love and what He did for us. And you know why He's given us the commandments? Because He knows if we'll obey His commandments, He knows that we will have joy. He knows we'll have peace. He knows that we'll have contentment. He knows that our relationships will be right. God knows that if we do it His way, He knows that life is 100% better. This is where we must work to have the love of God. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.